It's really the averages that defines what a business is. How do we do in the long term? But the human mind is designed not to see the long term. We see the most recent uh, effect, the most recent moment we put uh, significance in that more than the long term. Welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of thousands a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey everybody, welcome to the 7 Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen and we've been in this series about success habits and then we moved on to financial success habits and the personal and professional habits that you need to be financially successful in your personal life and your business. And we've been mentioning this book, Profit First. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, what is this book? What is this system you're talking about? How are you using it? Tell me more about it. All our Facebook page was kind of blowing up after the last one that I released. So what better than to bring on the author of Profit First today, Mike McAllowitz. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to jump in and share your message with our audience. I'm really excited about talking to you today. Thanks, Bill. It's my joy to be here. And thanks for working under these unique circumstances. I'm on my cell phone, my house. Uh, I'm working from home today. We lost power and internet. So I'm um, over like a uh, connection with one bar and somehow we're pulling this off. So thank you for your for still we'll, doing this with. We'll work through it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. The message even through uh, spotty cell service. So if we have to take video off, we will, all that stuff. But this yeah, is- Yeah, those awkward freezes like, you know, <laughs> like you're making a face, you know. <laughs> going to happen. It'll be fun. They'll be watching us on YouTube, like kind of laughing at us and pointing at us. So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. I'm really, I'm really, I'm personally invested in this because we use Profit First in my business. So I'm really interested to hear some of the, like your background, some of the things that you've seen in other businesses and stuff, and really just kind of share this with our audience so they can see the effect of this because it's really been a game changer for us. I love hearing that. So, uh, yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur the entirety of my adult life, ever since college. I've had businesses. And uh, the funny thing is they were successful from the outside vantage point. Um, one business was, it was a multi-million dollar business. And I sold it to private equity. The second company, which was in computer crime investigation specifically, uh, that was on a $7 million run rate. It just grew explosively and I sold it. But here was the thing. While I was running those businesses, they were never, never healthy businesses constant stress, not able to pay payroll, struggling. I had to refinance my house thing on two occasions to help cover the business. Uh, I pulled them and all of my savings I had, which wasn't much, I wiped it out. And uh, I made a little bit of money or a lot of bit of money actually at one point when I sold the businesses, but not in operating. So then my belief became, oh, build businesses as fast as you can because you're not gonna make money, but when you sell it, you make money. So I decided to start 10 companies simultaneously as an angel investor. And uh, I now call myself the angel death because I was so bad. Everything I invested in collapsed and I wiped myself out completely. I lost my home. Um, I lost my possessions. I didn't lose my family. That was the only thing I didn't lose. And uh, I had to, that was, that, that was my moment of clarity. I, I had to appreciate, I didn't understand entrepreneurship and I decided to start writing for myself what makes a business fiscally healthy and what makes a business run efficiently. And so I was doing research and writing and uh, to fix my own ways. And ultimately these became books. So every book I've written, we talked offline about the pumpkin plan. That's a sales growth book and clockwork, which is an efficiency book and profit first. All these books 
specifically are challenges that I've had, and I learned that other entrepreneurs are in a similar trap. So uh, I, I share, you know, I share what I what I've discovered. And today I'm I'm happily a full time author. I've written six books, uh, and will continue to write. I think until my final breath, it, with the mission of simplifying the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I think that's incredible because one thing that you can do when you obviously put things in paper and bound it up and put it out on the shelves is you give the opportunity to share your message with somebody else. And hopefully somebody else learns from it. I love when I can do this podcast and I can share some of the things that happen in my business and my life and hopefully affect somebody else. And that, that response that you get from them saying, thank you for sharing that. It's exactly what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it. And you know, me talking to you before the interview was, Hey, you really have changed a lot of people's business, and a lot of people's lives by writing this because just the implementation of this has taken a lot of the financial stress off of me and, and with the taxes and, and profit yeah. and, and all that stuff. Because for us, I mean, I mean, I remember having a tax bill and I, I had a $120,000 tax bill and oh. it was when I just started my company. Right. And I had no yeah. idea that I just assumed that my, I don't know, I, I, I'm a new business owner. I've, I've been working right. for the government for my whole life and I got this new business and I just assumed the business is paying for it. Well, the business doesn't have any money. So guess who's paying the bill? And it flows right to my tax return. So I'm responsible. And if if you don't pay for it, then you're (laughs) real deep. And I've been there. Like I had a tax bill I couldn't afford. And so I met with my accountant. I said, what do you do? I said, can you skip paying? He's like, well, you can, but you go to jail. So I was like, okay, well, let's skip that one. He said, the alternative is to go into an installment plan, which then the government hits you with not just the interest, but also penalties. It, It accumulates so fast. So... What I did with Profit First is uh, one of the accounts we set up. So Profit First is an account-based system, right? You, uh, what I realize is the normal behavior of entrepreneurs to do, as, as you do and I do, is we react to circumstances and say, oh, do we have the money for that? We also log into our bank accounts and see what our balance is. Many of us daily, I, you know, I log in one or two times a day to see, do we get deposits and so forth? Well, I realized I was not looking at my accounting system. So I needed to set up a system that worked at the bank. So Profit First is a system where we set up multiple accounts at our bank. So when money flows in, we then pre-allocate money to these different accounts for its pre-intended use. And the funny, one of those accounts is tax, right? Because the, the biggest bill associated with running a business that people are least prepared for is taxes. For many businesses, it is the biggest single bill that they'll get. And we're not prepared for it. Now, we have... I think it's over 300,000 companies that have implemented Profit First. It's pr- probably more now. But we get, I mean, we get emails, I'd say every five to 10 minutes, an email comes in from someone that's that's used the system. And my favorite part of the time uh, is right now, when we're recording this, it's, it's, it's the new year, we're going into tax season, and uh, it's going to happen in a month or two as, as the tax bills do. I get these emails of people saying, I can't believe how excited I am to pay my taxes because the first time ever my business is taking care of it for me. So it's kind of funny because, you know, it's, we're, it's an expenditure of money, but for the first time, many businesses are not getting caught off guard. The business has the cash reserve for them. Yeah, I love it. In your book, you talk about bank balance accounting. Right. That's really what exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I will look at my bank account in the company and go, oh my gosh, we got $400,000 in here. We got to do something with this. It's like a hot yeah, potato right, right. sometimes, right? And it's like, okay, well, I have money. And then the next day, you you invest all that in potentially for us, we have big swings in our business yeah. of real estate. So we, I, I might have a million dollars in my bank company account. And then the next day it's almost nothing is what yeah, it was right. like before, because we just, we say yes to the, these three properties 
And what we're not doing is we're not looking at these long-term projections of, well, when are they going to sell? So then we have this log jam where we need to renovate and rehab all of these properties, but we don't have yes. the funds because we use, we, we, it looked like we would have the money, but we're very short-term thinkers instead of long-term. So now we can move the money around, we can make adjustments. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today is the operating expenses. You just, yes. it, as you grow and this explosive growth, which a lot of us in the real estate industry see, is we see this explosive growth. The next thing we know, we're just growing out of control. And yeah. I shared on the last podcast, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we always say, oh, uh, this expense is just one more deal. It's just one more deal. It's another $10,000. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then next thing you know, you said it a hundred times, but you only grew your business by 25 more deals. So yes. it's just the operating expenses just keep stacking up the systems, yeah. the, all the automation and stuff that we build in. That's right. It's, it's death by a thousand cuts. Because mm -hmm. in, in the moment, you know, oh, it's just one deal here, one deal there. And, and other businesses too, it's the same behavior. It's not with, you know, another deal. It could be, oh, we just need one more computer, just one more hire. But that just one more continues on and it, it, it kills businesses. The other thing, there's an interesting phenomenon you talked about. And there's this thing called the recency effect. Whatever happens recently is our perception is that's going to be the experience in the perpetuity. So meaning the large sum of money comes in today the feeling is like, oh my gosh, I figured this out. I'm going to make money forever. I'm a multimillionaire. Conversely, when all the money's out of the bank, we have a recency effect on the other side. All the money's gone. We're like, oh my gosh, it's all gone. I suck. This business is going under. It's never going to turn around. It's really the averages that defines what a business is. How do we do in the long term? But the human mind is designed not to see the long term. We see the most recent uh, effect, the most recent moment we put uh, significance in that more than the long term. So the problem first what we do is we're going to start carving out as money flows in, we're going to carve out some of that stuff for the operating expenses, for profit and so forth, so that your long term gains and your business is protected long term automatically without us having to try to shoot, supplant our natural behavior to look at their most recent things. Yeah, I actually used one of your quotes from the book on the last uh podcast I did, it was when you base your decisions based on your best revenue month, you'll run out of cash quickly. Yes, because yes. It's, it's like, that's what we do all the time. We have this great month and we think that that's, it's going to be great forever. Right. And it's, it's, I love your toothpaste analogy in the, in the book <laughs> because it, that, that brings it really back for those of you who don't have businesses, like maybe just share a little bit of that. It's, it's almost like uh, totally. every single, every person can really yeah, hopefully everyone brushes their teeth, right? So, uh, so what this is, is a concept called Parkinson's Law. So there was this theorist from the 1950s studying human behavior, and he realized that um, as the supply of a resource increases, our consumption of it increases to meet that supply. Now, his studies were around time. So like, if you and I are discussing a contract and you say, hey, Mike, I'll get you the, the deal in one week, it's normal human behavior for you to take a week to get that contract done. But the same guys have the same conversation about the same agreement, but you say, I'll get to you in one day, you'll likely get to me in one day. You'll work through the night to get it done. So as we compress the source or resource of time, we work more efficiently to complete things in the compressed amount of time. Well, this is true for time, and it's true for money, it's true for, for toothpaste. So the, the analogy I use in toothpaste is funny. It'll happen to you know, your listeners tonight. When you get ready to brush your teeth, if you have a full tube of toothpaste, you know, we put a long bead on there, and if, if, if the water knocks it off the toothbrush, it's like, ugh, it's disgusting in the sink there. We use the tube. But if an empty tube of toothpaste, then we use just a little droplet, and, and we become so innovative in extracting it out. We twist it. We turn it. We bend it. 
my favorite things I call the turtle head toothpaste where you gotta put both thumbs, you know, into it and the little turtle head peeks its head out. You try scooping it. Like we will, the reality is a new tube of toothpaste lasts maybe, maybe up to four weeks, but some people get an empty tube of toothpaste lasting for up to four weeks. So it's not the supply, it's our behavior will adjust to meet the supply. And this works to our advantage with cash. If we have a full tube of toothpaste of cash, all that money comes in, you got a million dollars in the bank, is our natural tendency to you know, squeeze it all out. But if we intentionally hide away a large sum of that money and leave us very little, now we become innovative. Now we gotta figure out how do we get the same results with less money? You can, you gotta kind of do that turtle head, squeeze it out kind of process with your cash. Yeah, if anybody's watching on YouTube, I'm laughing hysterically because I am currently at the end of my toothpaste right now. And when you, said, when you said two thumbs, that was me this morning brushing my oh, teeth. Oh, really? That's no funny. joke. I probably should have brought it over. It, it's, I, it's just ridiculous. And the, the most, the funniest part is in my closet, I've got my wife did all this like couponing a while ago. We probably have dozens of toothpaste in there. I can just go grab another one. But oh, I am, I'm squeezing, squeezing like crazy. But it's exactly right. You, you talk in the book about like taking, even if you just, let's just say you start at 1%. Or two yeah. percent, you're taking that off. Like you can yeah. operate the exact same way that you did with a couple extra dollars or a thousand dollars less in the bank, and then you just grow off of that because it's you can't go from what, what you call it, it, like the the line at the bottom of this book is your business is an out of control cash eating monster, which I absolutely yeah, 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 yeah. love. Like it's it's true. We yeah. just rip through cash, and when we go from when I was small, a smaller company was just me. I was really tight with the resources. I was really yeah. concerned about my profitability because I didn't have a lot of money coming in. Next thing you know, we're doing deals. We're doing 10, 15, 20 deals a month. And now, but just like you said, this Parkinson's law is just kind of like, oh, it's okay. Like we, we are going to bring more in and it's more open. So yeah. the business can become an out of control cash eating monster. And especially we're helping other investors grow their businesses from $100,000 or $200,000 a year in gross profit to millions of dollars a year in gross profit. Mm. So we want to make sure, and there's a lot of promotion in this industry of just grow really fast, like grow yeah. fast, grow fast, grow fast. And I did it in a year. You could do it in a year. You can get to seven figures. I, I grew my company really fast. But when I look, go back and look, I grew it organically. I was investing back into the business. I was pulling money back for myself. I also had another full-time job, so I wasn't leaning on all the income. So there's a lot of factors for me that are different from every other entrepreneur who might yeah. not be able to invest all their money back into the business to grow as fast. They have to take a, they gotta, you gotta pay yourself. You gotta pay the tax man. Like I said, I had $120,000 tax bill because I grew fast and I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't pulling that money off. So I think, um, I guess the big thing is, is controlling this. So I want to ask you a question before we move on. I think you kind of alluded to it is, are all businesses the same when it comes to using this system? Or do you see that it's widely different for different industries? Because I get that question a lot when I tell people. Yeah. I'm using it. yeah. So all businesses fundamentally are the same. And uh, actually in my new book, which is Fix This Next, we were talking about earlier, I have been studying what I call the DNA of business and found that basically 99% of all businesses are the same. Go back to the infrastructure. It's the outer skin that's different, and some of the execution for sure. Um, and so, with fixed, with profit first, the fundamental system is consistent throughout all businesses. But for real estate investors, um, there's some additional accounts we want to set up. Set up one is is an account specifically to buy new properties. Uh, one is if you do, you know, if you procure properties and maintain them, maintenance is account as you rent them out and so forth. So there are some tweaks, but fundamentally they're the same. I want to also go back to a prior point is uh, 
this grow, grow, grow mentality. Mm-hmm. That mentality is perpetuated through society. And it's not, you know, it's every business. It's like, you got to grow to profit. And uh, I want to call, you know, the BS on that. It's, it's, it's actually not true. Sales translates to stress on an organization. So the more revenue you're generating, the more investments you're making, the more obligation, the more responsibility you and your business has to deliver on this now. So in the traditional service business, if I sell you a service, I'm going to repair your car. The more car sales, uh, car repair sales I make, the more responsibility I have to deliver on this. So that's stress on the organization. The more properties you acquire, the more you got to maintain or flip or do whatever, more stress. So sales translates to stress. The balance to that is profitability. It's the reservation of cash because cash now gives us protection. It buys us time. Yet most businesses ignore that half of the formula. They all just talk about how many, how much sales do we have? And it's a societal problem. Like I walked, I just got home from uh, some travels and I went through the airport this morning coming in and I'm looking in the magazine racks and it's all about this company that grew so fast and that company grew so fast. But I wish the question wasn't, or the conversation wasn't about how fast you're growing. It's how healthy is your business? So I actually make that deliberate practice. When someone says, tell me about your business. I say, yeah, it's good. It's, it's nice and healthy. And it's what we're doing. Tell me about your business. How healthy is it? And, I'll, and people get deer in the headlights kind of responses. Like, well, I've never been asked that. But it's the most important question. We've gotten in business, hopefully to do what gives us joy, but also for financial freedom. And financial freedom comes through profitability. Yep, totally. I, totally, I knew we were going to get to the point of growth because you yes. talk about it a lot in the book. And I can tell from, from reading it that you have some uh, very uh, strong opinions on it. So, because yeah. I, I totally agree. I do too. And the thing that I see a lot of times, and I've, we, we run a mastermind group where people come in and basically um, uh, j- uh, jump in and work with us, with our resources, with our just kind of getting together to share best practices. Um, this kind of idea and concept of we're kind of bigger together, we can work together. And we have people from all around the country that are in different cities. And so we're not really competitors with each other, right? Right. We can help. It's not like McDonald's where they're not going to share exact their system and what they do with, uh, you know, uh, Burger King or uh, Wendy's and that stuff. But we we're able to basically give our contracts, give our resources, all that stuff. And when they come in, I've seen a lot of people come in and try to go from a small business to my size business overnight. Yeah crashed and burned so hard. They, they would hire five, six people right away. They saw the structure of, and the accountability chart in my company. And they, cause they thought I got there overnight. They would be able to get there overnight. But the reality is I did not get there overnight and nobody does. Yeah. It's an organic no growth. It's a, it's, it's when we start, we went from, you know, one deal a month to two deals a month to five deals a month. And when we got to five, we started outgrowing our infrastructure. So we brought in another person. And with that, that profitability came the ability to bring on somebody else. We weren't kind of you know, I'm taking all my reserves and putting them in and sticking six people in the company from day one, just hoping that we get to that place. Like we talked about 10 more contracts. Now we're getting there, but really organically growing and scaling a business. Mm. And what I love in, in, that you talked about in the book is you talk about growth a lot and saying that it's, but if, the question, when I pull out profit, how do I grow? But your right. business will show you how to grow. So what do you, how do you answer that? That's Yeah, so the, the beauty of pulling out profit is it forces you to be selective on the investments you make of how you're going to utilize the remaining money. So you actually become a, more, a smarter investor. Because basically, say I, say I want to post 10% profit all the time. Well, when I take out 10% and I have uh, the money left over, my business is telling me I must make my business operate 
off this to get that 10%. So I'm reverse engineering the profitability. Now the irony is businesses that take their profit first are healthier businesses focus on better investments. They're much more prudent. So they actually become more efficient, more effective. So they facilitate, it facilitates faster growth of, of all the businesses that have implemented profit first, the 300,000 plus the case studies we get consistently show that profit first businesses compared to their industry contemporaries grow faster. And I know it's counterintuitive because the, the, the terms we use, it takes money to make money, you, you know, like, like terms like that. Like we're, we're trained that if you want to grow, you have to spend, you have to invest. And uh, I'm saying you can grow by not investing money, but investing thought by being selective and smart. I, I actually use this analogy. I did this keynote yesterday and uh, it was in Winnipeg, Canada. I'm, I'm in Winnipeg and I said, there's a hundred people in the audience. I said, Hey, just by a show of hands, who would rather make $100 an hour uh, over $10 an hour? And of course, every hand went up. I said, okay, let me change the context now. Who would want to make $100 an hour off their own sweat and effort versus $10 an hour automatic? And the hands started to swap, but most people said, I'd still rather make $100 an hour. Then I said, well, what if that $10 an hour, you could replicate that? You could make it you know, 20, 40, 70. What if it had infinite potential? Well, roughly when we started getting the, about $50 an hour on automatic without any effort versus $100 off sweat, people started switching sides. And then when it got to 100 on automatic versus 100 doing the work, everyone wanted the 100 on automatic. And then when the 100 went to an infinite size, people were like, I should have done that from the get-go. That's what a profitable business is. Traditional businesses that focus on growth only, the business owner's like, I have to work harder. I got to push myself more to make more money. Uh, a profitable business is all about building efficiencies, being selective investments, uh, finding ways to outsource the, the work to employees or part-timers or to contractors or to virtual help to get the work done and sees that when I figure out a way to make even a small amount of money, that $10 an hour, but without making any effort, that I found the pathway to extreme profitability. Because now the goal is just about scaling that. How do I make $20, $40, $60 an hour automatic? That's what we need to do. Focus on bringing in money with no effort um, of our own, effort of our organization, and that will drive extreme profitability. Yeah, I think that's big because we're, we're really big on systems ourselves. I know yeah. in my business, you know, I spend all this time in this mastermind business now, Seven Figure Flipping, and my real estate business, my COO runs the company day to day. I spend about two hours a week in that business and it's a a profitable business for me that's running nice. and I'm getting a, I'm getting a W2 salary as well as the CEO. And it's, it's great, you know, and I get to motivate them, lead them. And I get to do the things that I really want to do that I should be doing yeah, as yeah, the yeah. visionary, you know, and really doing that, the stuff that I love and, you know, earning at the potential that I wanted to as a business owner. But we still have those, like, we just implemented this about We've been talking about it for years and we fi I finally said enough. They've been asking me for money. They, they need a loan to make payroll occasionally. There's, mm. we're getting now, I said, look, it's not going to happen anymore. I'm, I'm not, the, it's not the bank of blackjack over here anymore. You guys, <laughs> you guys got to, um, you guys got to operate on your own. If you're asking me for money, I'm, I'm just another lender to you. So let's implement profit first. Let's get it rolling. Brought in a controller, had her do it. And now I'm seeing a lot more, like I have three accounts now 
that I absolutely love seeing the balance there because I know I have a profit account, I have a tax account, and we use we have an interest account for our, our lenders. So we keep love interest it. money. And since I take a salary, I actually don't take a personal owner's account. So I decided that's not perfect. to take that. And so that's our structure. And I love it. We got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in there now getting ready for tax time. Like you said, I'm not stressing out about it because there's money in there. And I know, yeah. I know that we have enough. And in fact, we have more than enough in there. Right. That's the idea. Is, I, you bring it back to some point is many entrepreneurs have multiple businesses and yet I should say they blend the finances. They, they have them all in one account or whatever. And then we don't know what business is working. What you did is perfect by separating out the businesses and mandating they have their own profit first implementation, their own accounts. You can see that business is healthy or not very quickly just by logging in to the bank and seeing those accounts. So it's really important if someone has multiple businesses to have multiple setups of profit first. Yep. And you, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about kind of the decision making when you're in a profitable, profitable state. So you talked yeah. about, you know, growth when, when you've got money, you make better decisions. And there's, yes. I have, there's no question about that. I've made some right. horrible decisions when I'm looking at my bank balance and I don't have any money in there, or I'm, I'm totally stressed out because uh, I've got loans out to other people. The company's got my money and I personally don't have any money. My HELOC's maxed out and I'm sitting here going, I got to pay my personal credit card bill and yeah. I'm concerned about it. So um, you, what, what I like in the book, you, I pulled out this one quote uh, yesterday. It says, without enough money, we cannot fully realize our authentic selves. And that really, when I read that, because I had just done a podcast about my, my last four years of my business journey and all the struggles that I've had with cash flow, um, just so the listeners can hear that they're not the only ones. Like we, yeah. are, we all have that. And that really resonated with me when I read it. Without enough money, we cannot fully realize our authentic selves. Because I shared a story when I kind of like snapped at my family and snapped at my son. It wasn't me. It was not who I am. Right. It, was, it was me in a state of stress. Of, yes. uh, and it was really financial stress more than anything yes. else. I mean, I'm, yes. I have a roof over my head. I have a nice, I have, we have cars. We have, the kids are, yeah. you know, taken care of. We have clothes. We have all of these things. And I, I spent a lot of time in the military. I've been in some horrible places where they don't have anything that we have. And yeah. I'm perfectly fine. But when the financial stress is, is, is weighing on me, I snap in my family. I have kind of a poor business decisions. The decisions that I was making in the company then were very bad. Where now, when I have three months of operating expenses in my account, that I can yeah. make great decisions. We, yeah, we lash out, when, especially to the people closest to us, to so our loved ones when we're in financial duress. There's a saying that we need to give to get. And um, I actually reverse that. I think we actually need to get in order to give. Meaning if, if I don't have a means to support myself, I cannot be of service to other people. And so many, sadly, many businesses are all about trying to have impact and be of contribution, uh, but the business is not profitable nor sustainable. Um, sadly, that's mostly what most not-for-profits are. They want to change the world, but they don't think about the sustainability of themselves and they collapse under their own weight very quickly. So we really need to focus on profitability. It's not a selfish factor. Here, here's the funny thing. I would argue your clients, the people that work with you, actually want you to be very profitable. Now, they will never say the words. Like You'll never have an experience where someone you know, buying from you says, hey, please rip me off. Could, could, you, could you rack up the price a little bit more? I really appreciate that. They'd never say that. But here's what they do say. I want to make sure that this transaction is going to go down uh, effectively and without distraction. That, that you're panicked about something else. I want you to focus on our transaction. I want to make sure that you put care and effort into this. 
um, that there's no stress uh, uh, that you're experiencing right now, so I can be catered to. Like, that's what all customers say. And the only way for those things to come into alignment is for you to be consistently profitable. So your clients want consistency. They want a lack of distraction. They want attention on them. And those are all defined by profit. So your clients want to be profitable. Yeah, I think, so I think I, t- I totally agree. You, uh, it's, it's like, a, it's a habit you talk about in there too. Like the habit, we're talking about uh, successful habits, habits for yeah. success. Now we're talking about financial habits and you mentioned like profit is a habit. It's not an event. It's a habit. Right, right, right. That really hit me. I was like shocked to read that yesterday again and say, this is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about habits because habits are those, those things, those little things that you do over and over and over again that be, almost become automatic. And that's what we're trying yes. to do here is make this automatic. I mean, I was taught from a young age, one of the personal success habits that we talked about was saving off the top, just like this. I took yep. my 10% savings before I could spend any of my money. And then I took my, t- put, took my tithing and yep. I went and, and gave before, yep. I, before I had my operating expenses, right? So we do this in our personal life but it seems like when we go into the business world, it's like, ah, uh, that goes out the window. I just need to do that bank balance accounting type thing. Yeah. So that, that's what the power of the system is. It's not a new invention. I'm just somebody a guy who says what works in our personal life works in our business. And admittedly, or shamefully, many of us don't do it in our personal lives. We all know of it. We all know save for your future first, um, tithe. Uh, reserve. We know those processes, but we don't do it because we say, I can't live off what I have. So I I can't, I'm not there yet. I'm not in the position to tithe. I'm not in the position to save my retirement. But then we grow our income in some way and Parkinson's law, more toothpaste. We squeeze more out. We're like, well, finally, now I can, I can get that second bedroom for my apartment or whatever. I can't, I can't tithe yet. I can't save it. And then a little more money comes in and then we, we get that car, that new car. Like now, now I need to cover that. And so our expenses climb the exact same rate. The only way to prevent that natural human behavior of Parkinson's law expanding to meet the supply is to put a wedge in of reserving money for its intended use prior to spending. Immediately take out the profit. Immediately do these things and we'll adjust accordingly. The funny thing is like I, I was an employee for a short period of my life before I, I became uh, an entrepreneur, six months. And during those six months, I, uh, I got a gross check uh, I can't remember. I was making $29,000 a year. I thought that was amazing. I never knew I could make so much money. And um, so the, the check would come in the gross and just say, say it was uh, $2,000 every month. When that check would come in, that was the gross pay. The net pay was like $1,200 or, or $1,100 because all the taxes and all stuff came out. But my lifestyle adjusted to live off the $1,100. Uh, I would still go around and brag, hey, I make uh, $2,000 a month. I'd still be bragging about that. But I adjusted my lifestyle to that $1,100. Well, the same is true for our business. Well, you can still go there and brag you got a multi-million dollar business or whatever. I, quite frankly, it doesn't impress me anymore. I used to be impressed by revenue. I don't, it doesn't phase me. I'm, I'm, all I'm impressed by is how healthy is a business. So when we have a million dollar business or whatever it is, and we take out the uh, profit first and the other elements to pay our salary to reserve for our taxes, the business will adjust off the remainder. It's just like that $2,000 check gross living with $1,100 net and finding a way to survive. Yeah. So I think that they, they understand the, the concept where we're at. Like, okay, we need this. So there's probably a lot of people that are, I don't know, driving their car, or they're at the gym or they're listening to us going, okay, so what is this whole thing about? Like, how, how do I do it? And what's, what's a little bit deeper concept? So yeah. we talked about Parkinson's uh, law a little bit, kind of like that uh, 
every, everything fits. So what's, what are some of like the next steps in the big theory behind this? Yeah, so there's, there's four major stages to the implementation. The first stage is setting up multiple accounts. I, I call them small plates. I translated this from uh, diet theory. And basically, the concept is this, that, and this is true, 300 years ago, plates were half the size of what they are today. So you know, George Washington and his friends were eating off of plates that were the size of what we consider a dessert plate. That was their entree plate. But the behavior of humanity was the same then as it is today. They were told, and just as we were, fill up your plate and clean off your plate. That's what mama would say. Well, as plates have doubled in size, our portions have doubled in size. Therefore, our intake has doubled, our caloric intake. Therefore, our waistlines have doubled. So the simplest way to control that is actually simply reduce the size of the plates. Well, that's what we need to do with our business. Most businesses do bank balance accounting. We log into our bank accounts. We see what money we have there. And we're looking at one massive plate. And then we say, oh, I can eat off of that. Well, instead, we want to set up five accounts. And these are what I call the five foundational accounts. For uh, real estate investing, you, you're probably gonna need some additional accounts. Other businesses will need something different than, than uh, these five alone, but these five foundational ones are, are pretty much for every business. An income account. Income account is a checking account where money flows in simply to be displayed as a serving tray and then carved up. You never pay a bill out of it. Like Thanksgiving dinner. You know, the turkey comes out of the oven, you don't say, hey, everyone for themselves, fight for it. You carve up the turkey so every guest eats. That's what the income account does. Second account's called profit. Profit is the allocation of money to reward the shareholder for investing or starting a business or doing both. So um, that's different than the next account, which is owner's compensation. Owner's compensation is the salary of the owner operator. So if you own a business and you work in the business and you had to replace yourself, what would you pay yourself? Or what would you pay that person? That's what you should be paying yourself. That's your lifestyle account. So owner's pay is your regular salary and you live off that. Profit is a bonus check for being a shareholder, a risk taker. That comes out quarterly. The fourth account is called tax. This we talked about already. This is a reserve the business has to pay your tax liabilities as an owner. And the final account is called OPEX. And this is what's left over to operate the business. And are divided up on percentages. And the point is here, if $1,000 comes in today into your income account, it does not mean you have $1,000 to run your business. We carve it up based on percentages. Maybe $100 goes into profit. Maybe $200 in the pay. Maybe another $100 into tax reserve. And that means you have six hundred dollars to operate your business, not a thousand. Yeah, I think this is this is exactly what we're talking about in light here, right? You've got instead of it, you could probably operate off of sixty or seventy percent. You just have to tighten the waistline a little bit. You got to it. What it does is it really causes you to be intentional about where That's you're right. spending money, as opposed to, well, I'm just going to spend it and I. I, I think back to my wife. I met my wife in England and in England is a small village. There's like 10,000 people in this village where, where I was and nobody has a retirement account. Nobody has, if it's the 28th of the month in, the, in that town, you, there might not be anybody in the bars and restaurants because they just get their paycheck and they spend it. Nobody's thinking about the future. It's wow, just kind yeah. of the way of life there. And I looked yeah. at it and went, what? Like I was, I was trained for, as a young kid to build my retirement and think about that because I didn't want to, it wasn't, I'll work my whole life. It was at some point I'm going to retire and, and enjoy, enjoy things. And, and it was a totally different mindset shift there. So a lot of people, I think when they run their business, it's, it's kind of like that at the end of the month, we just ran out of money. I spent it all. So now really just saying, okay, I don't make a thousand anymore. I make 600. We can still do really great things with that. If that's all we have. Totally. Yeah. And Parkinson's law, as we talked about earlier, you will find ways to do great things. The beauty uh, of the system, though, with profit first is we are going to take profit out 
periodically, once a quarter. And what happens here is there's a reward mechanism. So mm. every quarter you can get a booster shot. So you're actually saving for the future, but you're still rewarding yourself in these little booster shots as you move along. And often they start growing and that starts building confidence. Uh, even though you have debt, so so many businesses have debt, we can use this money to start wiping out debt, but we're still going to get this dopamine release every you know 90 days or so as the profit comes out. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I, I'm going to look at my profit account and I, I'm glad you reminded me because I don't think I've taken it out for a quarter. Oh, you got so it. Every I need quarter. a dopamine shot. All right. I need, your, I need that dope, man. That's, That's it. Dopamine. Dopamine. That's it. That's it. That'll get us going. So, and then you, we talked a little bit about the surf sequentially, right? The percentages. Yeah. Through. yeah. So the real quick uh, point here, because it kind of enforces what we just talked about is those accounts, the sequence I shared is important. Income, profit, ownership, comp, tax, OPEX. And the reason is, is we want to allocate money in that process. Now, I know they're all percentages. Therefore, it's all pieces of the same pie. But if we do it in the sequence, we get that dopamine response. If you carve out money first profit and you see profit sitting in that account, it's like, hey, then you pay yourself. You're like, boom. Then you reserve for taxes. That doesn't feel like a reward, but it protects you from, you know, worrying about taxes. So it's like, oh, that's not too bad. And then OPEX. So that sequence is critical. Okay. And then from there, you go on and talk about removing temptation. So yes. I think this is a big one to, to hammer here for the people because it's very easy to move this money back and forth. Oh my God. And then, then this profit first so quickly can become a shell game. So while we have 300,000 plus people successfully doing this, sadly, there's potentially hundreds of thousands that failed to do it because they skipped this step. We allocate money to those five accounts. Then the day comes you can't pay your bills and it will come. But the lesson is this, if you can't pay your bills, it's your business telling you you can't afford your bills. There's something fundamentally flawed in the structure of your financials, meaning you're incurring too much cost or you don't have enough good margin. That's usually a combination of the two. But what people will do, and what I did when I first set this up is I had money in that profit account. I'm like, well, let me just borrow from that. And it's not borrowing, it's stealing because I never returned it and the business uh, continued to limp along as I emptied and depleted my profit account. I defeated the whole system. So what we need to do is remove the temptation from borrowing from the profit account, which is gonna be accumulating cash, also the tax account, because that accumulates cash until we pay taxes. And to do it is you simply find another bank. Um, you can also use what's called a hold account where you, where you can tell the bank to lock the account and you have to go to the bank and get a administrative person to do a release. But I suggest a second bank altogether, so it's just inconvenient altogether. No starter checks, no ATM card, you know, definitely no online banking. Once you deposit, you, what you do is you transfer the profit money over that tax hold, and you transfer over the profit money into the profit hold in these, the second bank. Now it's out of sight, out of mind. You have to live off your opex. Then when it comes to profit distribution quarterly, that's when you take that long drive to that second bank and uh, you, you take that money out. But it's always, when it comes out, profit money is used to reward the shareholder as a gift to you. It's never to go back into the business. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea of actually driving to the bank and getting a check. It's a big difference between it's just fun, man. internet transfer back into your bank. So I see that sometimes what, what I realized was as I grew my real estate investment company and we get a 60, 70, $80,000 wire, that's all, that's, you know, profit or revenue. Yeah. Will, um, it's just started to lose its uh, effect as you right. do more and more deals. Right. Because yeah. I, if I was, you know, four or five years ago when I was starting my business and I got an $80,000 check or even $80,000 wire, that'd be, oh my gosh. And now it's just becomes a little numb. So really kind of celebrating those wins is my takeaway from this uh, of, for the profit side. And because getting that dopamine is a big difference between just, hey, I'm going to transfer 
$50,000 into my account today and pay off my, pay my HELOC down or pay, yeah, pay right. this or pay off my credit card or something. And, um, it's, it's, there's a whole different mindset because it sounds to me like it's a reward you just said, which I, I really like that. Exactly. And, and that's a very important point. Profit's always a reward. So I own some stock in Ford. Ford sent me their distribution check. It was like 13 bucks, by the way. It was like nothing big. But I didn't open that check and say, I don't deserve this. I need to reinvest it into Ford. We got we to gotta grow Ford. I'm a shareholder. And I, and I didn't go to call them and say, hey, do I have to earn this? Should I work the factory line for a little bit? And, and that's, with our small business, when profit comes out, we're a shareholder in the business. We do not reinvest. We don't give it back to Ford. We don't give it back to our small business. Our small business needs to find a way to operate off the OPEX. And we don't work for it. We're a shareholder. We took on risk and started a business that supports our economy, our community, even globally. So that money comes out and the business owner uses it to celebrate. And that's your definition. Maybe you have personal debt. You can use it for that. Maybe you want to save for the future college or whatever. Or maybe you want to go on vacation with it or, or some combination thereof. That's all within your right. It just never goes back to the business. Yeah, I like that. And then so the fourth step is uh, to enforce a rhythm. And I think this yeah, is- Yeah, uh, frequency. Yeah, so we're like- uh, we're, I, after going back and getting in more detail, I don't think we're frequent enough in my company right now. It's something that we that could be, on. that could be. So the traditional business mindset is uh, reactive financial management, meaning no money, no money, sell, sell, sell. Oh my God, money just came in. Okay, let's, let's pay all the bills. And then the, the bank's accounts depleted. like, holy crap, we got to sell again. It's very reactionary. What we want to do is get into a rhythm. And this was translated also from, uh, physical fitness, physical fitness often translates to physical fitness. And uh, with diets specifically, they, uh, they found that five meals a day is optimal, yet most people eat three. And the reason five meals is optimal because there's a consistent um, uh, caloric intake that reduces our hunger. So we're never, we never go into a peak hunger state and overeat. We eat five small meals. Well, in our business, we need to, to your point, do it usually more frequently. So in the book, I suggest minimally once every two weeks, but uh, for most businesses, maybe even weekly, my own company, every Friday, we let the money accumulate in the income account. And then on Fridays, all the money gets allocated out and we're in this rhythm. And now what we get to see is every Friday, we have an expectation of what our normal income flow is. Um, and you know, in transactional business like real estate, there can be spikes and there's ways of handling it. It's, it's an advanced technique called drip. I explained that in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you start doing is start having a standard expectation how money comes in, but also it throttles and controls how you're spending your money because you're doing it in a rhythm. That's the goal. Yeah. And so you've got, you got these four things. So everybody's listening saying, okay, this is really interesting. It's exciting. This is something that I want to implement in my business, but you can't go from where you are right now, having never done this and having this cash eating of a business, right. To exactly the numbers like that, those taps that you want in your company for, for good. So there's kind of like this, it's like, I don't know, when I start to go to the gym again and start to get healthy again, like you talked about with the dieting, you're not going to go straight from you know, eating three or 4,000 calories a day to 1,200 calories a day. You're going right. to start kind of easing your way in. So what's the best way for them to, to start that process? What do you recommend? That is a fantastic question because this is the key to success I've discovered. And the technique is to simply step one account. So, you know, people hear this and they're like, okay, I get it. And some people will try to go full throttle and uh, it's overwhelmed and it is destined to fail because you have to adjust to it. And if you can't adjust, then we abandon it. And that's a shame. So simply step one account. I would make a savings account call it profit and allocate a small percentage. I suggest starting off with 1% or you can figure out basically what your historical percentages were and allocate 1% more. But if you don't know, just start at 1% profit. So in, in, in practice, if a thousand dollar deposit came in just for round numbers, 1% would be $10. So we take $10 and put in this profit account 
and then we run the business off the remainder, the 990. And the difference between 1,000 bucks and 990 is inconsequential to an operation of a business. But the fact you have $10 set aside, well, that's highly consequential. Because I know what happens. We've seen it now through so many case studies. People start saying, wow, I wonder if I can do 2%, 3%. They start growing their profit. They start adjusting their business. They say, what if I set those additional accounts? And so maybe it takes six months or even a year to roll out the full profit first system, but they're so anchored into it now because they've taken profit from the get-go by starting slow and letting it grow. Do you recommend that business owners do this on their own or do they find somebody who's a certified profit first um, uh, partner to do it with? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm actually kind of in the middle road. Some people have the discipline of doing their own. When I go to the gym, there's some people there that have the absolute discipline to show up every day, come you know, rain or sunshine, temperatures don't matter, there's there. Those are the folks who can do it on their own. I noticed that's the vast minority. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of people need a workout partner or a trainer, and uh, I, I, they're different. So a workout partner, and you can do this with Prop First, just find another entrepreneur and team up and say, let's do this together and support each other. The only problem with workout partners is collusion can happen, right? So you say, hey, listen, let's go work out together. If one doesn't want to go, the other one's like, let's do this. And you, you hold each other accountable. But one day, one person's like, I really don't want to go. I'd rather go Dunkin' Donuts. And the other guy says, I'd rather go Dunkin' Donuts too. Now you've colluded. Now both of you are you know, throwing down some of those Boston cream Dunkin' Donuts. And you're putting on weight as opposed to throwing up weight you know, in the gym. Mm-hmm. And, and now that's a real problem because you're going to keep doing that downward spiral. The highest level of gyms, and I think with my first, are trainers. So a profit first professional, uh, we have 450 certified, more than that now, certified profit first professionals, people that I've personally trained on mastering this process. And um, they're accountants and bookkeepers by nature, but they also have the skill set. And what we found is, it's like a gym trainer. You, if you pay a gym trainer, you're going to go because you're paying them. And if you don't go, that trainer's calling you and say, listen, I'm sitting here waiting for you. Where are you? You have to go. But the trainer also, as you're doing exercises, has experience with all these other people, so they know what will work and what doesn't work, so they guide you to do it healthily and appropriately. The success rate of people getting, you know, improving their bodies physically with a trainer is so much greater than doing it on their own. So you have to gauge your own natural discipline, and if you aren't totally naturally disciplined, like most people, I would definitely encourage someone to look into hiring an expert, like a profit-first professional. Yeah, it sounds like the same thing recommendation that I give for people with financial advisors. So for me personally, I don't I don't use one. I'm very good with my finances. I know where they need to go. But what I say, I've had people come to me and say, "Well, they're taking this percentage." And I said, "Would you save without them? Will right. you put money away without them?" Right. The answer is no, you won't or you'll dip into it just like this. It, and and is is them calling you, emailing you and being afraid of letting them down? going to have you save 10%, 20%. And if that's yeah. true, then pay that 1% or 2%. But yeah, I'm, not, so I'm not paying it because I, I'm motivated to, to save my money. I'm going to do it with or without somebody looking over my shoulder. And so I think it's what I got from your answer is very similar. If, you're, if you can implement this and this is something that you're going to stick with and you can, and it's not, it's, it's, it's setting up a couple accounts and being uh, accountable yeah. to it. That's what it is. It's about making sure that you're doing it. And yeah, and you're I, committing I to it. put a deadline. If, if I say I'm going to do something on my own, I also have realized that, say a deadline, saying I'm going to do it on my own, and if I don't get it done within one week of today, I've proven I'm fooling myself. So I would encourage people, if you're going to do it on your own, commit to getting those accounts set up within one week. If they're not done, hire a professional. After you get those accounts set up, if you're not doing the allocations within one or two weeks, whatever the time frame is you set, then you hire a professional. That's a good cross-accountability mechanism to yourself. Perfect. The, 
the assessment, that, that instant assessment is where we started. So we started with the assessment. We assessed our kind of previous results in the company. Um, and I think you have some uh, resources either in the book or on, on the website for the instant assessment. And um, maybe we can tell some people where that where to go for that. But that, that's, that's where we started to kind of see what we were doing and what our past performance was awesome. as far as profit and, and what was the, the tax uh, that that we were going to expect. So we can almost project what this year is going to be and then not make it so stringent that it's uncomfortable, but push us a little bit to make some changes. And yeah. there's a couple other recommendations in there about like canceling credit cards and because we have all these just charges that go, 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 go all the time. Oh, and we don't know yeah. what that so is. We're leaking cards. money. So credit cards are the bane of, uh, of many businesses existence because they, they, they play into all of our behavioral mechanisms in a bad way. You know, points to make you feel like they gamify and like, oh, I got to spend more because I need more points. Mm -hmm. It's the worst thing you can do. Trust me, they strategize that not to serve you, but to serve them. And they know that people buy into that stuff. So, um, yeah, you can cut credit cards. There's, a, there's actually a mechanism for still leveraging credit cards, but in a much safer way um, that I talk about. And then for the resources, just in case people are interested, it's my website, which is MikeMcCallowitz.com or Mike Motorbike, because that one's easy to spell. <laughs> Go to MikeMotorbike.com. That's my nickname in high school. And then you'll find, uh, it says, get the tools, all the resources are right there, including the incident assessment. Awesome. We'll, we'll include those in the show notes so they can click oh, on it. That. So Mike Motorbike, and you just redirected it because they can't spell yeah, yeah, it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's I, awesome. That's my nickname in high school. I'm like, I should have owned this nickname. I couldn't believe no one else had it. I'm like, this is awesome. The, the irony is I've never driven a motorcycle. That's the funny part. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a story for another day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. So um, I think this is all really good stuff. I think I think everybody kind of understands the, the concept and the reason behind it, right? And then yeah. the the execution of it. So these the different accounts, the and then their allocation, everybody's allocation is going to be a little bit different. So that's yes. going to be on them, kind of that instant assessment and as well as like ongoing kind of triage of their business, right? But I think the overall concept behind it that hopefully everybody got is like, don't let your business be this cash eating monster. Like you really have to think about as you're growing, be intentional about it and don't just say it's another deal, it's another deal. It's just stack on the expenses and the operating costs. As your revenue grows, like, grow your bottom line too. Like if you're growing your top line, grow your bottom line and see, it's, it's not necessarily, can we do like way more with a lot less? Because I come from a military background and that's all it is. It's like, we're just going to give you less resources and expect you to do a lot more. It's really frustrating yeah. as an operator, but actually not have to grow your resources in equivalent to the growth of your business. So if, if it's keeping up with the Joneses all the time, which is everybody's trying to do in their personal life and in the business, frankly, and really just growing organically, scaling, being smart, being efficient about it, because there is a point where your profit will can just take off. Yeah. Once the infrastructure of your business is built out, you don't need to add on a bunch more people to do more business. And it's not more systems and more paid advert. Like for us, it's a lot of, it's a lot of marketing. Marketing is one of our highest costs, but Figuring out what that is, really looking at your key performance indicators and using the different systems that you have in combination with this, this allows you to see that and almost feel the pulse of the organization and it'll tell you when it's starting to, um, uh, starting to get congested and starting to have a problem and it's starting to break down and you can, you can feel it ahead of time instead of waiting till the end of the month or the end of the year to go look back and go, holy crap, I didn't make any money, but we did $5 million in Pro, gross profit, but I made no money as a, mm -hmm. what happened? You know, yeah. you don't want to do that forensic accounting. You'd rather see it way, way up front. So 
It's, I, I just want to thank you again for, for writing this book, for sharing my, your stories. And I, I, what the other thing I got of is just kind of how open and honest you were about some of your struggles in your personal oh, life. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I think it's important. I, to, I couldn't agree more. I really feel like everybody sees people, especially today with every, like the social media and everything that's out there. It's just, we have to be perfect. Everything has to be right. Yeah. And, Everybody's struggling. Reality. That, that also that bugs me about the persona of entrepreneurship because you know you see the covers of Inc. and Fortune magazine, and I think we believe, oh, we have to be this to be a successful real estate investor. If you're not doing, you know, half a billion dollars, you really are a failure. It's kind of the mentality, and that's bull. You know, that's not the typical normal journey of entrepreneurship, and it's it is a journey. It's hard. So I just wanted people to understand really what I've gone through, and it's it's been a difficult journey, but it's been a joyous journey. Yeah. And obviously the impact that you're making right now is amazing. I think it, for, for the Thank true you. entrepreneur, we get to that point where we've, we've got it. We, we feel good. And in our life is set up, we've got the things that we need. Uh, family's great. And then it becomes, how can I share this message with others? And those folks that are doing that stuff, they're really moving the needle for other people. And that's, mm -hmm. I feel like when we really get joy out of what we're doing, like the impact that I can make on other people's lives is just, even just with this podcast and some of our, our members, yeah. that, that, that feeling is, is, has become why I do a lot of what I do. And I'm sure it, from talking to same you. Same for me. Same right? for me. Yeah. So, uh, so before you go, is there anything that we can share with the listeners? Uh, I know that you have a new book coming out. Can you tell us? Yeah. Well, thanks for offering that. Yeah. So I'm super proud of it. Um, I, I believe it's my most important concept I've ever written. And um, why I think it is, is because the biggest challenge that entrepreneurs have is knowing what their biggest challenge is. There's this constant rush to addressing all the apparent issues we have and putting out fires, but no one, no one knows how to find the one thing they should be working on. So the book is called Fix This Next, and it's a method to rapidly, I mean rapidly pinpoint what to work on, then go set about resolving it, and then rapidly pinpoint the next problem your business has. And that, while it releases in April, it's available right now on Amazon, uh, and so you can get the day it comes out. Fix this awesome. next. Fix this yeah. next. So you guys got a long reading list now. So toilet paper entrepreneur, pumpkin plan, surge, clockwork, <laughs> profit first and fix this next. So yeah, exactly. It, um, I would, if depending on where you are in your journey, like take a look at these books. They're all really, really great in, in the, the different areas that you might need help with right now. So depending on where you are, what I love about books is when everybody, any, somebody asks me for a recommendation for a book, I read a lot. I try to, I try to read. Me too. Uh, I try to also implement what I read. That's the hard part, right? Just yeah, 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 yeah. reading is, is one thing, but I, I never really like to give a recommendation just of what I'm reading. I ask them where they are in their journey so going on in their life. And then I'll recommend a book that I, that I read that when I was there, because a lot yes. of people will ask me for what I'm reading right now. And it's not, it's not what they need, you know? So smart. That, that's actually why I wrote fix this next. And I, I start the book by saying that like before we can solve a problem, we know we need to know what the problem is. Mm. And so Fix This Next, now I'm suggesting people, if, if they want to read any of my books, but they don't know what their challenge is, start with Fix This Next and they'll pinpoint it and then you can go explore my book or someone else's book that helps fix their problem, you know? Awesome. I love it. And this system of Profit First, we operate our companies, our company and all my companies off of systems. That's systems yeah. and process are so important. This is one, this combined with our entrepreneurial operating systems, we operate. Oh, our beautiful. Yeah. Those two combined, I feel like this is the two kind of foundational systems that we run this one financially. Cause when you use those terms of 
how's your, how's the health of your business? That's really the, exactly what we're looking for in the EOS structure. It's, it's almost like a perfect pairing in what we do in our industry. And for those of you guys that follow us and, and want to make sure that you've got a healthy business operationally and financially, these are the two systems that we use. So I love the fact that I was able to bring you on and uh, hopefully next uh, we'll talk to the, the creator of EOS too. So yeah, um, that's cool. I know Gino. So that'd be cool. Awesome. So Mike, thank you cool. so much for coming on with us. Thank you. If, uh, if any of you guys obviously f- follow Mike, he does different keynotes. He speaks from stage. Um, do you have a podcast too? I saw some. I uh, do. Yeah. Okay. So you can subscribe right now. It's called Entrepreneurship Elevated. And uh, we explore all the ways to, to elevate the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, it's awesome. I listened to a couple episodes before you came on to kind of get a feel oh, for cool. it and uh, kind of saw your studio, nice setup and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I got a nice full studio. Yeah. It's really, uh, really incredible. It, just I'm not in my studio right now. <laughs> this is this is the guest bedroom because we have a power outage going on in my house. Yeah, it's okay. We won't hold it against you. So, okay. um, cool. and and we we actually managed to. I thought the audio was really good. Um, we it was it was good. great. So I'm really happy good. that we got uh, to share this with uh, our listeners. And uh, for those of you guys who are listening, I know you can spend a lot of time in a lot of different places. There's so many things to do right now. I'm just happy that you guys uh, spend the time listening to Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. And um, we're kind of rounding out the end of our um, financial success habits and financial habits series. And next week, we will have probably an episode or two go out, but I'll be on a cruise with the rest of our members. Our mastermind members will be on a cruise February 2nd through the 9th. So um, I'll be bringing a whole new series to you guys after we get back off the cruise, but we'll probably share, we might let you sneak into some of the presentations that we do on the cruise. And one of them for me, I'm going to be presenting on cash flow and problems. And this is going to be one of the big foundations that I'm talking about during that presentation to the 200 people that we have coming on the cruise. So I can't wait. It's our first seven figure flipping cruise. All of our seven figure runway and altitude members are coming. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, Mike, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'll see you. Thanks for listening to the seven figure flipping podcast with Bill Allen. If you want to grow and scale your house flipping or wholesaling business, check out more insider tips and strategies from the nation's most successful real estate investors at sevenfigureflipping.com. 